Welcome to Stories from Home, Financing the Just Transition, a spin-off podcast series of Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition that takes a look at how frontline communities are shaping local policy to support investment and reinvestment in their communities from the local level on up, all while building a just transition. Hey everyone, today we bring you a special episode hosted by my colleague Yuki Kitakura, the Reinvest Project Director at the Climate Justice Alliance. Hey, how, how are you, Yuki? I'm doing good. How's it going, Keenan? Um, great. So we can just go ahead and jump right into it. Can you share a little bit about what led you to CJA and what REOP is? And also, for those that are new to who is Yuki Kutakoro, you've been here from the beginning as one of the first people to work at CJA. So can you also tell us um, about that experience? Sure. My name is Yuki Kitakoro. I'm the Reinvest Project Director at CJA. And what brought me to CJA is basically after years of fighting against bad projects, doing environmental justice organizing in Southeast LA, I was really looking for a place that is grappling with this question of how do we build the new as we fight the bad? And CJA was a really um, inspirational place that was starting to grapple with this question. And so I was excited and honored to join staff in 2013. I, just to describe a little bit of what Reinvest in Our Power is, it is one of the strategy elements uh, of CJA's organizing to move the money to be able to, to basically reclaim wealth that has been stolen historically through stolen land, stolen labor, and restoring it back into community control to meet community needs that is in balance with the natural world of which we are all a part. And so that's what gave rise to the Reinvest in Our Power work um, that I'm honored to be part of. All right. So tell me about tell me about today's episode. So who did you speak with and what was the conversation about? Sure. I got a chance to catch up with Reina and Charlie, who are organizers with Poder. And Poder stands for People Organized to Demand Environmental and Economic Rights. They're based in San Francisco, California. And they've been doing really deep organizing for decades in the Mission District um, and are rooted in that, deeply rooted in that community um, and have been doing organizing around housing rights, around environmental justice, and around things like public resources for community good. And Poder is the first organization whose policy win is being highlighted through our CJA Model Policies Documentation Project. And they are talking about public banking and really helping us understand what public banking is and how they were able to win a California statewide policy to make public banking more possible. And they're currently in a campaign to build a public bank within the city of San Francisco. So I guess I would ask now, you know, what public banking is, but I'm pretty sure that we'll get into it. And 
in the midst of the episode. Yeah, so, yeah, they answer that question. All right, so let's get right into it. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be talking to Reina Tello and Charlie Shamas from Poder. Maybe, Reina, we can ask you to just describe who Poder is. Poder stands for People Organizing to Demand Environmental and Economic Rights. But really, it does so much more. And I have so much love and respect for all the work that happens at Poder. We are an environmental and economic justice organization here in San Francisco. Our little crew is based out of the mission and in the Excelsior. And we have some of the most amazing um, community leaders that I've ever met. And I have so much love and respect for them. I don't know what else to add. <laughs> because of all of that is true. <laughs> all of that is true. inspire me. You have no idea how much they inspire me. All right. So, um, here we are. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you both about public banking. Um, I've been a huge fan of Poder for decades, um, inspired by the powerful intergenerational, creative, and deeply rooted organizing that y'all have been doing for a long time. Um, and so just very excited and honored to be able to talk to you about this. Um, before we get into the all the different stories about this, in the campaign, maybe would you mind sharing, you know, what a, a brief definition of like, what is public banking? Thank you for that question, Yuki. I think just to answer the question, like for me, it's helpful to just follow the money. Um, every time we buy a soda, we earn a paycheck, we pay a library fee, we contribute taxes. Basically, we're entrusting our local cities to spend it wisely. But the reality is, at least in San Francisco, where we are, um, they put it in Wells Fargo and Bank of America and other big corporate banks. It's that money then kind of goes out of sight, out of the public eye. And uh, they're really just looking out for their shareholders, not all of us. They're investing in big projects, most of which are really bad for communities, even worse for the planet. They're making big profits. So think, you know, private prisons or oil pipelines. And all of this is with our money, believe it or not. We, um, you know, fundamentally believe this is the people's money. And so there has to be a better way. So when we talk about public banks, we're talking about really interrupting this cycle. So just like we have public libraries, public health clinics, we can have public banks. Imagine our local cities or states placing our tax dollars into a public bank one that is really rooted in our local communities. So it reflects our values. It has a clear mission to advance the things we care about, like climate justice, racial justice. Um, a public bank means that it serves the public good, which means that the public knows what's going on and has a say in how the money is invested. So we can go to things like our local mom and pop shops, or it can help nonprofit developers build affordable housing, or partner with credit unions to provide affordable student loans. The opportunities are limitless. And the best part is that the people lead the way, not the private shareholders. Awesome, sounds great. Before hearing more about this campaign um, and what brought Poder to working on this campaign, would you mind sharing, maybe both of you, Charlie and Reina, what brought you personally to this work um, around environmental and economic justice? Why is this important to you? Reina, you wanna start? Sure. Um, 
Well, actually, um, for me, it's something very personal. My family home was one of those thousands and thousands of homes in 2008 in the foreclosure crisis. We fought for our home for seven years, which meant having to pack our belongings into bins and not quite sure of like an eviction threat, having to organize and strategize and having to access language that is business language and financing language where someone who speaks English really can't understand all of that. And then having the layer of having monolingual Spanish-speaking uh, Spanish parent, it was just a lot of stress. And having to live that way for that amount of time and really intricately understanding what the impacts were on my family. Um, I saw the public bank as that ray of hope, you know? And it really makes me feel like our money shouldn't go to terrorizing families um, and like preventing them from being able to have a home. Um, so that's what brought me to public banking. You know, for me, you know, I feel really lucky to be part of an organization that is full of heart. Uh, it isn't afraid to think big. Um, coming from an immigrant family myself, I'm half Egyptian, half Turkish. I really appreciate Poder and how it cultivates a sense of rootedness, even among immigrant communities that have experienced migration, displacement in many cases, I really identify with that. You know, as Poder takes root, as the communities we are based in take root, it opens up the possibilities for growth to blossom, really imagining that another world is possible. So affirming the right to environmental justice, standing up to environmental racism, gathering in community to cultivate people-powered solutions, it really speaks to me. And, you know, they say money makes the world go round, but currently the money flows in ways that enriches the few and forces the rest to live in constant struggle. So if we change how the money flows away from the things that harm us and the people who profit from it and instead towards the things that sustain us, wow, that's a game changer. You know, a real way to get at root causes and not just to make small reforms. It could be that just transition that we keep looking for. So that's really why I'm in it. Thank you both. That's great. All very good reasons for um, doing this important work. So can you tell us a story about what brought Poder to working on public banking specifically? You know, it's hard to believe, but this story actually goes back more than 10 years. Um, back in the late 2000s during the Great Recession, all around, you know, our neighborhoods, our city, around the country, there was so much struggle. And, you know, we really began engaging with our community members in a conversation about how they're getting by and also what's needed in order to thrive. We organized a community action team and it really flowered with all the genius, expertise and creativity we find in the community. Um, we started learning about this thing that they call the solidarity economy and not just talking about it, but really putting it into practice. Folks you know, brought some of their um, experience from their home countries uh, to the conversation. For example, um, community time banks and we actually um, developed uh, an informal community network and time bank. Um, and we launched community cooperatives and worker cooperatives. We created an urban action learning academy to learn how to take um, collective action and govern together. We were at this time reclaiming land for community stewardship and to meet community needs for affordable housing, to create public spaces. That really defined some of our community campaigns over the last decade. And then at all of this kind of community scale solutions 
really led the way to thinking about what are some of the bigger, more systemic solutions. And that's where Public Bank really comes in. If we want to resource the community to create an economy for all of us that meets people's needs, it uplifts their skills, it values their talents, then we should be creating institutions that are investing in the community. And so I remember at one of our membership meetings, I think this was around um, maybe the fall of 2017, um, membership gathered in many small groups and were rotating among different policy campaigns. And there was so much excitement about a public bank. Everyone got it right away, um, making the connections about how important it is to build community control over the institutions that invest in our communities. And we started, you know, bit by bit, flexing our muscle to do some of this grassroots campaigning and policy making, joining forces with others. Um, and that really paved the way, you know, for this campaign that we are still fighting today. Can you say a little bit more about like how you see the links between, um, you know, how you got to the point of like economic solidarity economy, right? In, in the work that you're doing. Yeah. You know, you know, we're our organization Poder, we have the environmental and economic justice in our name. So people organizing to demand environmental economic justice. The truth is that when we were having these conversations with members, we actually weren't familiar with the term solidarity economy. It was a new term for us, mm -hmm. but it was a term to describe something that we already knew about and we kind of had experienced. And we, what was really exciting was to learn that there was actually like a whole movement of people and organizations and co-ops that had been part of this work. And just to make those connections was really powerful. And for us in particular, to think about where environmental justice and solidarity economy come together. For us, that experience was really kind of just, how do we put it into practice in a way that feels really accessible, where everyday people can get involved. And then, um, you know, naturally kind of, you know, our organization, we're a small community-based organization, but we've always kind of like our thinking kind of about what is kind of like the bigger change that we can be a part of. And that's really what, together with kind of the movements of the time, for example, Occupy was happening at that time and really shining the light on the abuses of Wall Street and um, starting to popularize kind of alternative things like public banks. Like all of that was coming together and we really saw the connection between where our membership was at and what the needs are and the, the kinds of campaigns we've been fighting at a community level with these kinds of more like bigger rule changes and, and um, you know, um, kind of campaigns like public banks. Great. Thank you. I always appreciated the way that Poder has really combined the kind of fighting the bad and building the new at the same time. Could you paint a picture of what success would look like um, if you were to be fully successful with the campaign of public banking? What does that look like in the community? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What will be more possible with public banking? Well, I think in order to get the full picture, I invite you to close your eyes and take a walk with me on what 
a commercial corridor in my neighborhood or in my city looks like. And if you want to reference what your city looks like, um, especially during a time of COVID, there's a lot of businesses that are boarded up. There's not really a lot of foot traffic. Um, there's a lot of for sale signs. And this has been the trend really since the late 2000s, right? And so with a public bank coming into play, now I invite you to take a walk into the future, right? So now you're walking down this corridor and you see a mom and pop shop on the left. You see a fruteria on the right. You see hopefully a record store making a comeback on the left. And you keep down walking down the street and you see the lowrider pull up and park and go into the local panaderia that is now thriving and not um, having to fight or get to a loan tonight to be able to keep up their business, right? That's what success looks like. It looks like, you know, helping your child pack for college because you were actually approved for an affordable loan. It looks like taking off that for sale sign on the home that you've been really wanting in the neighborhood that you really like have invested your whole life in and being able to stay home and have that security of a roof over your head. That's what the success of public banking looks like. No, I'm getting chills. I would also add, you know, success has also been all around us. You know, when we had a delegation of over 300 grassroots leaders that came together as part of the California Environmental Justice Alliance, embracing um, the state legislation to create a pathway for public banks, we were kind of in the, in the Capitol and right there on the front steps of the Capitol building, just a sea of yellow t-shirts. You could hear Spanish, Chinese, many other languages on the steps. And folks were coming in and out of these face-to-face -face visits with all the legislat legislators and really making the case for why it was important um, to pass this bill and to make this important rule change. And I think about success was like when we brought grandmothers and dads and mom and pop business owners and kids to the San Francisco City Hall building. They shared their testimonies to, to county supervisors also to make the case for a public bank. Really, it's the tingling you get in your spine when you see that all around you, everyday people are joining the fight to divest, to reinvest, and to reclaim how our public money is used. One day, we, we hope that the SF Public Bank will move into the old SF Mint building. Um, this is a building that opened in 1854 to serve the gold mines of the California Gold Rush. It's one of the symbols of the city's early, early wealth that was built on extraction. But we want to make it a symbol of the people's wealth that values and uplifts the people's labor and really the goals that we have for environmental justice, for racial justice. And so all of the, all of the ways that, you know, I really appreciate the, I mean, really bringing it back to the community members and how a public bank can directly invest in them and their, their livelihoods, their futures and their success. I think that's really what um, keeps us um, fighting this. Thank you. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, can you can you say a little bit more about the California public banking success? Can you just describe a little bit about what why that was needed? You know, this campaign has really kind of. Um, gone through multiple phases. One of the, I had mentioned the Occupy movement was a real 
I think just like a, it helped to bring a fighting start um, to this, this demand. Um, but another one was also really taking leadership from all of the community members that were on the front lines opposing the Dakota Access Pipeline and calling upon you know, people all around in solidarity um, to really join the fight to divest. And as cities one by one kind of heard that call and started organizing in their hometowns to call upon local legislators to divest public monies from the Wall Street banks that are financing the Dakota Access Pipeline in San Francisco, what we found was there's actually no place to put the money. There wasn't actually a kind of regulatory framework that allowed cities to instead put them in a publicly owned bank. And so what was needed was to change the rules. Luckily, there was a lot of leadership up and down the state in California and community groups joined together. And um, one of the things that came out of that was a statewide alliance called the California Public Banking Coalition that really took the lead in working with legislators to craft Assembly Bill 857, which at the heart of it was a new law that would just create a pathway for local cities and regions to charter their own public banks. And that was a, kind of like a, a real you know, big fight at the, at the legislature um, last, um, last year in 2019, but it made it through both houses and then it got to the governor's desk and was signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom. Um, which was a huge victory that then kind of ignites more fights um, to actually push forward the fight for public banks. Thanks for that background. That's really helpful. So both in that fight at the California level and also your current campaign, what are some roadblocks or, you know, threats of co-optation or other challenges that you have faced and what are some strategies or tactics that if you, you've used to overcome them? Um, I think I think Charlie put it best. The Divest movement in San Francisco really gained a lot of momentum to be able to add pressure to the supervisors to ask for divestment. But like Charlie said, our biggest roadblock was once we got the elected officials on board, there was really no option of where to put the money. And so then the fight went to the state level. And Charlie, I know that you echo the sentiment. It was amazing to see all that support all the way from Southern California to the North of California. Everywhere you look, there seemed to be a public banking movement that had started for its own reasons and had now like joined forces, right? Um, we did face a lot of uh, roadblocks at the state level with the legislature, you know, whether it was the threat of having to go to the ballot to get this approved or whether it was having to adapt to AFDIC insurance, which has roadblocks within itself, and then turning this into a pilot program. But like Charlie said, the momentum has really been there to keep pushing for these bold solutions, right? Because we know community will always be ahead of any legislator um, when it comes to bold solutions and what the community really needs to push forward. But we're ready to fight. I'm not sure if that answered your question completely. Yeah, no, it did. I do have a follow-up question, which is like, what were some of the arguments against it? Like, it seems like, yes, public banking. What, what are, what was the, who were the opposition and what were, you know, what was the argument? 
I'm trying to think of the name of the organization or the grouping of banks, but really it was just the banks that were pushing back. Um, and their talking points was that the money wouldn't be safe in a public bank. But as we learned in 2008, our money is not safe in Wall Street banks. And so it was a moot point, right? And that was really the only point that they kept drilling over and over is how they're so wonderful and they have all these community benefit packages and they're already doing this great work. And, and if, you know, the public bank was established, then they wouldn't have the funds to continue doing this great community work. And so really there was no argument. It was just a matter of having the legislators understand that this is the solution that we need. We need to t- like have local control and invest locally. Yeah, it seems like if those are your those are the opponents, it seems like you're you're hitting them somewhere where it's going to hurt. So that's a, it. Seems like you're on the on the right track on a good campaign. So, like thinking about this more broadly outside of San Francisco, outside of California, why might other climate justice organizers be interested in pushing for public banking in their communities? Well, I think it's helpful to think about the moment that we're living in right now. So we're in a global pandemic, and it almost feels like you know, we're responding to a natural disaster. And if you kind of put side by side the way uh, Wall Street has responded to these kinds of natural disasters versus a public bank, it's, it's really kind of helps to paint that picture. So in Northern California, in a local California community of Santa Rosa that had experienced a huge um, wildfire and it really brought so much devastation um, to the community And what the local bank there um, felt was an appropriate response was that they offered to replace anyone's debit cards that had been burned in the fire. So they really left a blind eye to the devastation, to the loss and harm to people's homes, to their businesses, to their livelihoods. Um, So in contrast, you know, we have one uh, public bank in the continental United States, the Bank of North Dakota. And when they experienced in North Dakota a huge uh, natural disaster, it was actually a big flood, they immediately issued a multi-million dollar line of credit. They also freezed all repayment of debt to give the community some relief. So there is a real difference between a bank that is based in the community it serves, understands the real needs, and is committed to investing in those needs. And, you know, for us, this is really what resilience looks like, especially the times that we're living in where it feels like it's boom and bust kind of one after the other all the time. So the truth is that Wall Street finances a lot of the destruction to our planet. And if everyone takes their money out of Wall Street, then there is we're, we're, we're basically um, kind of keeping that destruction from happening. Even the act of divesting is really powerful. Thank you. What advice would you give to to folks? who want to wage, like, who want to start this campaign in terms of, like, what you've learned in your organizing, in your coalition or alliance building. Um, Yeah. I would say join the movement. It's really easy. You just go online and you go to CaliforniaPublicBankingAlliance.org and you sign up for updates. You can also, if you're part of um, a community-based organization, you sign a letter urging uh, legislators to support the bill, AB 310 here locally in California. 
I would say organize with your communities to grow the movement where you are. And that was the beautiful thing that we realized when we were pushing AB 857 was that there was already so much movement up and down the state but also nationally. So Philadelphia is pushing for a public bank. New York is pushing for a public bank. So I would say, look around locally what's going on and like join the movement. People power gets the goods, right? And if you want to learn more about Poder, you can visit our website and that's podersf.org. If you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, that's where we keep you updated on our public banking efforts. And that's poder.sf on Instagram and Poder SF on Twitter. And I would just I would just add that we're going up against kind of vested corporate interests, you know, big Wall Street banks. Um, but there's no reason to shy away from that. Everywhere around us, you know, there are big, beautiful, bold movements that are flowering. And really what it takes is unity, you know, really forming strong community grassroots and broader coalitions. That is really what it takes to be able to sustain these fights. The most important thing is to prepare for the long haul because these kinds of campaign do require kind of like building um, on big wins and, um, um, and, and smaller reforms. And so um, really being able to like sustain um, the movement to get to the finish line. I have another question that might be a little bit kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier around your your strategies. Because public banking can feel a little bit, you know, intimidating if you like, oh, I don't know anything about finance. I don't know about like how to, about banking. What kind of technical supports or legal support or, um, you know, did you have folks, um, allies who helped that? Did you yourselves do a lot of that research? What, what did that look like? Well, I think for your first point, we actually heard similar sentiments in like engaging people in the beginning of the fight, that it was something that was too hard of a concept to understand, that it may be confusing for people. But we actually found that uh, the opposite. We found that when we talked to community members, there wasn't a lack of understanding or a lack of will to like push um, Yes, it's true. Like I said earlier, um, when you're fighting against these systems, it's really hard to understand the language that they speak in. But if you take away the fancy words, it comes down and it's actually really easy to understand that we just need to invest our money locally and we need to push for that. Because like Charlie said, it's so different when you're living in your community and understanding what the needs are and you're seeing it day to day. So then go from that into what our current system is. And somebody in New York decides what's best for somebody in Alabama and somebody in Seattle decides what's best for someone in Texas and someone in California decides what's best for, I don't know, somebody else in the middle of the country. So I would say it's not as difficult as people think it is to understand once you take away the fancy words. Thank you. That's a great invitation for folks. And are there other ways that people can support you? Are there other things that people can do or get more information? We'll just add that um, there's actually another statewide um, effort that's part of this campaign that's moving forward. Raina had mentioned um, there's another assembly bill currently in the works. It's assembly bill 310 and it's sponsored by um, Santiago and, and Chu in the California legislature. And they 
are moving this bill actually to kind of uh, pave the way for a statewide public bank. And part of the strategy around this is that given the COVID-19 um, epidemic and how incredibly cash strapped a lot of our local governments are um, now with kind of, um, you know, uh, so much loss of revenue and um, recession on the horizon that a statewide public bank would actually be um, an important uh, strategy to be able to then um, support and capitalize local public banks up and down the state. Um, so this bill is gaining a lot of momentum. Um, there's um, tremendous leadership that's happening with the California Public Banking Alliance. Um, you know, we're part of our local coalition in San Francisco, the San Francisco Public Bank Coalition, um, but it's really the statewide alliance that's moving that um, statewide legislative work. Um, and um, um, they definitely have a call out for support. Um, as that bill is moving through the state Senate and the state assembly in the next few months. Um, so definitely check out CaliforniaPublicBankingAlliance.org um, for ways that you can um, take action to support. Great. Anything else that you want to add around the public banking that anyone, should, that people should know? We were the only organization that took members to the state capitol to advocate and to give public testimony uh, when it came time to support the bill. And it was amazing because um, specifically one of our members that is a monolingual Spanish speaker went up to the capitol with her daughter to talk about the same thing that I talked about when we walked down the corridor and packing your child's stuff for college is that's the biggest aspiration. And it was beautiful to see Stephanie who at the time I believe was a fifth grader, come to the state capitol and give her testimony. And so I wanna encourage people um, to not feel intimidated, to exercise your voice and go where you need to go and speak what you need to speak from the heart. Because at the end of the day, those people are there paid by us, the people. So they're public servants and they should be listening to our voice. And I forgot to say that earlier. But really, that's why I have so much love and respect for Bullet. All right. Thank you so much, um, Charlie and Reina, for um, sharing um, about your campaign, um, about the importance of public banking, and then making really strong connections to why um, this thing that might feel um, intimidating is so connected to our everyday lives and um, to uh, environmental and economic justice. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Stories from Home, and another thanks to Yuki, Charlie, and Reina for this special interview. For more information about Poder, visit podersf.org. For more information about the model policies, visit climatejusticealliance.org slash model policies. Thanks for listening to Stories from Home, Financing the Just Transition, a spinoff podcast series of Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, that takes a look at how frontline communities are shaping local policy to support investment and reinvestment in their communities from the local level on up, all the while building a just transition. If you like what you hear, please share this episode. Donate at climatejusticealliance.org and sign up for our newsletter for updates. Also, let us know what you think of the podcast. 
You can find all of our contact information, including social media, at climatejusticealliance.org. Stories from Home, Financing the Just Transition, is a project by the Climate Justice Alliance. From local to international, from prairies to mountains to island shores, from youth to elders, we work together toward a shared vision for the future. Stories from Home, Financing the Just Transition, is produced by Jessica Zhao, Keenan Rhodes, Olivia Burlingame, and Samantha Harvey. Our sound editing team includes Elijah Pogues, Jennifer Wager, and Callie Wright. The music is One Fine Day by The Insider and Stuff Will Never Love You Back by Dr. Turtle.